This is Wednesday, January 5th. A year ago, when I was visiting with my sister-in-law in Colorado, I noticed an interesting discussion piece on her coffee table. It was a lock-picking set. There were some sample locks and some very interesting instruments that looked like probes. The unique thing about the sample locks was that they were made of a clear plastic, and this allowed you to see how each of the locks work and what was needed to open the different locks. Now don't worry, none of us have turned to a life of crime. It was fun to experiment as we sat and talked together. Now the book of Ecclesiastes is like a great lock. It's a riddle really, and it can be solved, but it's not easy. As we have learned, the question of the book is pretty simple. What is the meaning of life? The book presses us to take life seriously and to seek answers and explanations. It is like one of those clear plastic locks that we need to fiddle with for a while to learn how it works and to learn how to open it. And in truth, all of us humans are doing this. We're, in a sense, all philosophers. We're seeking out an explanation for the way life works and the way our lives are turning out. We want to know why. Why is my life the way it is? Where is my life heading? And so Ecclesiastes invites us on the journey one man took to find the answers. When we reach the end of the book, we're not going to have all the answers, but only a few. Instead, we will have gathered up even more important questions that require our attention. Now, the book begins questioning the thing we take for granted. Progress. Listen to these words. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 4 to 9. A generation comes, and a generation goes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises, and the sun goes down, and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south, goes around to the north, and around and around goes the wind, and on its circuits the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, they flow again. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be. And what has been done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. Now the preacher sets off on this long discussion of life in our world. And yes, things seem to be changing. From all appearances, we're moving forward. We're learning and growing and advancing. But he says, take a closer look. The sun rises and sets and a day is over and then another follows it. Nothing really changes. One season comes and goes, and then another, and soon we are back to where we started. The rain falls and flows into streams, and then rivers, and finally to the sea, and then there's convection that lifts water into the clouds, it condense, and there is rain once again. The cycle seems stuck in endless repetition, and all of this, it seems empty. The writer of this book puts it like this. There is nothing new under the sun. Now, of course, here we want to object. 
Visit Publix and you'll find shelf after shelf with items labeled new and improved. We seem to be constantly coming up with new things. It wasn't that long ago we didn't have the internet. I remember sitting with my grandfather. He was born in the year 1900 at the turn of a new century. Before cars were on the road and before people used radios as we do today, it was before airplanes and long before the first human beings landed and walked on the moon. There were no skyscrapers, no cell phones, and he saw all these things happen during the years of his life. How can anyone say human beings are not making progress? That there's nothing new under the sun? Our writer is not talking about short-range meanings. You see, none of these advances have given to us a sense of meaning. The story of human beings has not really changed. It's the same, and we're really the same. We can fly around the world, but we still do not know why we're here and what our lives mean. We have advanced the ball, you might say. We're really not sure what game we're playing. Now, it's good that we're thinking about this, because answering this question, the question of meaning will help us know how to live. Because it's better to be found naked in truth than clothed with fantasy, to live by wishful thinking. We can try and run from this big question, but we cannot hide. It's always there with us. Here are some reasons why asking the question of meaning is important. First, it can forces us to connect our faith with the way our lives really are. Some people have said that the book of Ecclesiastes is the most honest book in the Bible. This book also addresses our greatest fear. That fear is that there is no meaning to our lives and our world. Some people today think this fear is greater even than our fear of death. And finally, it will help us to weed out those things in our lives that really don't matter so much. It will help us keep from living for toys and petty things. I think this is an age in which we desperately need this sort of wisdom to be directed back to what matters. Okay, now I want to go back to the lock-picking set that we had fun with. Once I figured out how to open the clear locks, the ones that were samples, I then turned to a real master lock. This was like going from the minor league to the big leagues. <laughs> Would what I learned in concept work in the real world? And you see, that's really the question of our faith. Will my faith in Christ, my worldview taken from the gospel, will it work to guide my life in the real world that I live in every day? That's where we're heading in our study, to the firm foundation of Christ. Let's pray. All-powerful God, guide us into your truth, we pray. We can so easily forget who we are, why we're here. Enable us in the fog of modern life to travel safely to a place of understanding. We pray in your name. Amen.